0: what's up everybody welcome to in this economy my name is matt and i'm here with sam as usual and we made it to episode seven buddy
1: man it feels so good to be back so sorry for the absence everybody the flu got us bad and then matt went and uh wintered
0: in whistler yeah we uh we had a little bachelor party with some of the homies so had to had to delay the pod back to back weeks
1: but you know what (laughs) it's time to get this bread maddie
0: (laughs) we're back. We're ready to make money in full health and full vacation mode over. So we uh, we have a great show today. I'm super excited to get into it. Tons of news to get through. So the first thing we're going to talk about is a recap on some of the stock picks, the biotech that I talked about. We're then going to get into some NFL stuff that happened. Going to then follow up with some exciting news that's been happening this week. And we're going to finish up with some housing and real estate tips that... Uh, you know, Sam and I are, are dabbling into, and I think we can provide some real value for you good people out there. How does that sound?
1: Sounds great. Sounds like the people are about to get rich.
0: That's And that's what we're here for, right? That's it. So to start off with biotech, um, I brought up a few companies so far in this show, and one of them that recently came out with some news was Acosti Pharma, ticker symbol ACST. And I told you to buy them a while ago, and in the meantime, they had shot up pretty substantially, and you had an opportunity there to sell a big portion of your stock. What I told you to do was sell a big portion and you know let a few shares ride because the data that would eventually come out I thought would be positive. Now, unfortunately, the Trilogy 1 trial came out, and there was no significant difference between the actual omega-3 drug and the placebo. And the reason for this is kind of sketch. The placebo actually had a substantial effect on triglycerides, which isn't supposed to happen. So the company's actually going to go through and do an investigation to see what's going on. The other thing is that they're going to be announcing the results for Trilogy 2, which is another phase three trial with the same drug, just with different centers. So there's still an opportunity to make money here, but hopefully you took my advice and sold a big portion of your stock because the stock now is trading at like 68 cents and you could have sold well into the two so Unfortunate situation that happened there, but if you are holding a few shares, you know And you don't want to risk it anymore Just sell them now and uh, be happy with the gains you got beforehand and then don't even worry about it But if you are feeling that little excitement you can wait for the trilogy two results Which are gonna come by the end of the month.
1: Would you say it's a good time to buy at 68 cents?
0: I would not put any more money into the company. I would say if you were holding um, beforehand let it ride if you want to see if you can make some of that money back but i think if trilogy two comes out of failure the stock is going to go down even further and um that's that and the best you could do really is the stock going back up to two and change like it was before but you know it is a bit of a risk cold
1: world that omega-3
0: it is and now related to that another company that i haven't brought up but is relevant for one of our omega-3 companies called amarin ticker symbol amrn AstraZeneca, which is a very big pharmaceutical company, had their own type of omega-3 molecule um, undergoing phase three trial called the strength trial. And they recently announced that they were stopping that trial because they didn't think that they were going to see any significant difference in the placebo and the drug. So basically, the two potential competitors for Ameren have now either failed their trial or stopped their trial, pretty much paving the way for Ameren to just collect all of the market share in the market. So. I think that it is a good thing for Ameren and you still have a good opportunity to buy Ameren before they start to release their earnings results and deliver on those prescription numbers that I said a few episodes ago were going to be substantially higher than what they had forecasted. So I still think an Ameren is a buy where it is right now. You know, I'll give you a longish term price target of around 29, which I think is pretty reasonable for the stock given what the market's at. So that's my Omega 3 update. Uh, very exciting space going on right now, and the one thing you want to watch for with Ameren is they're also undergoing some patent litigation, and I think they do have a strong case to maintain the patent for themselves. But that's some some upcoming catalyst that could send the stock one way or the other.
1: It's exciting stuff.
0: Yeah. So I know that was a mouthful to get through, but uh, the last few weeks have been pretty exciting. Other than that, you know, the stock market has been doing pretty well. I'll mention that I did bring up Facebook last time. I thought that they were a buy amongst the companies that, that some report that we read said were going to be good um, stocks to buy in the next decade. And what I had did is I bought a call option, a $250 call option that expires in about a year from now. And if you had bought when I said you should, you'd be up 30% there. And I think the stock itself is up like 12%.
1: Matt, will you explain what a call option is?
0: So, you know, I think we could dedicate an episode to that. Okay, Because so stay if tuned. People, if people are interested in options trading, I, uh, I've been doing it for a while. And really, it's a great way to uh, get a lot of leverage and either make a lot of money or lose a lot of money. But I can at least explain the theory behind it to give everybody kind of a beginner's outlook on how they can get started.
1: Sounds like a great option.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Okay. There we go. That's the kind of comedy you people come for, right? So, Sam, can you let us, tell us a little bit about the last few weeks in NFL?
1: Man, it's been a wild ride, especially for us, the Bang Bang Niner gang.
0: Yeah. Huge. Shout out
1: to all my Niner fans on there. We're one win away. Nothing's going to uh, keep Nick Bosa away from uh, meeting President Trump, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So uh, if you guys have been keeping track at home since week 15, we have not missed our can't-miss bets. Huge. We have just been on a tear of all tears. We have had some heartbreaking parlays not go our way. Um, I know we've been out of podcasting for the last two weeks, but if you've been following us on Twitter, that's at EconomyPod, that would have given you guys all the bets we were taking even though i couldn't talk i still had my twitter fingers so i was uh i was tweeting away to to all you good people we've had some really good interaction shout out to uh some of our listeners especially andrew who asked for a shout out uh just so all the listeners know for a small fee we will shout you out on the podcast there's nothing really of note to talk about in the bets we were real close to hitting that 9.5x parlay the Titans did us well. The Chiefs did us well. The Niners covered. And then the Seahawks lost. And so we didn't win that one. But if you did bet that can't miss, you would have won that. And then last week, we only had one bet, which was our can't miss. Mm-hmm. And we hit that. It was a parlay. It paid 2x, I believe. So nothing nothing wild. But hey, money's money. And yeah. we're winning. And that's all that matters. It's going to be sad that uh, we don't have any more NFL bets yeah. after next week, but we will devote next week's episode to the Super Bowl. A lot of fun stuff, a lot of fun bets to make next week. Yeah. Prop bets, game bets, um, and nachos. Yeah, so.
0: <laughs> Yeah, and it should be a great game.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Me too. So let's move on to a, a bit of a news segment that we got to get into because this week has been wild. Been a lot of stuff going on. We had Martin Luther King Jr. Day on Monday. R.I.P. R.I.P. And then some big news came out with some very interesting things. So uh, we didn't really talk about the potential war with Iran, but that was pretty much all averted. So we dodged a bullet there. The market recovered from whatever drama was going on. But what we heard on Tuesday, the 21st, was that Boeing is delaying the release or the approval of the 737 MAX airplane. And that's a pretty big deal. As we know, Boeing is one of the members of the Dow Jones. And it's very um, highly invested in by a lot of pension holders. So the stock on Tuesday was down 3%. And that's not a good thing. So hopefully it uh, they figure out a way to get compliance with the FAA. But it uh, it's noteworthy that this stock is going to lag the Dow Jones moving forward if they can't get it together. So I thought that was interesting to mention.
1: So my general rule, and it's not any crazy secret, when it seems like we're going to go to war, I buy Boeing, I buy Northrop Grumman, I buy Lockheed Martin. Right. When it when war seems imminent, I go in on those three. I'd even go into Raytheon as well. So this is just something to kind of look for. If, if you hear an airstrike. Right. I'd say it's pretty safe the next day to go in on those four, mm-hmm. um, and even though you might have lost, you know, this three percent on Boeing, long term it's still probably pretty safe. And with the Northrop's and the Lockheed's, um, I think it's a really good bet. Again, especially when war seems almost imminent. Yeah, they make all of the planes, the tanks, the submarines, all of that's right. made by those companies.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I would be hesitant to buy. I'm definitely not buying right now because I want to see how this shakes out. But especially in times of uncertainty, those companies are going to be a go-to for the government to try and get whatever they need to make Those contracts get big. Yeah, for sure. Wanted to mention that. Next thing I think we need to talk about is this coronavirus. SARS 2.0, right? (coughs) Yeah. So... For those who don't know, it's a pneumonia-like virus. It's similar to SARS that happened, I think that outbreak was in 2002, 2003. And uh, it came from China, this uh, Wuhan province, not super familiar with my Chinese geography, but so far six people have died and 300 have been infected. And on Tuesday, the 21st, we heard that the first case in the United States was found in Seattle kind of dramatic to actually see it hit the shores of our beautiful country quick yeah pretty quick yeah pretty quick the first case was in december of 2019 and uh here we are today so i think um the market reaction was kind of stark on the 21st and some interesting things happened we saw that airliner stocks decreased substantially and we saw that vaccine companies actually went up substantially so a couple of note: nnvc was up 75 percent nvax was up 44 percent and this is an anticipation that the government might have to step in and, you know, fund these companies so that they can develop vaccines to help out. Because as of right now, there is no vaccine for this virus.
1: We're on vaccine watch. Yeah.
0: So. It's too bad omega-3s
1: can't cure this.
0: It really is. It's a damn shame because I am deep <laughs> in omega-3s. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I think if you compare the previous things that went on. So a similar thing happened when the Ebola Virus outbreak happened. A lot of vaccine companies, pharmaceuticals went up. I think um, GlaxoSmithKline was one of them that went up quite a bit. ticker symbol GSK. You know what usually happens is these viruses aren't in that sweet spot where they're able to actually destroy the planet. They um, they either burn themselves out or they are too severe to allow transmission between humans, and instead they just like kill the person, which is kind of what happened with Ebola. So. You really have to get that sweet spot for a virus to become a pandemic type thing. But if there is that 1% chance that this does happen to be the big one, these vaccine companies are obviously the place to be. But I was looking today, and if you try to short these companies, the interest you have to pay to do so is very, very high. So you wanna be very careful if you're thinking about you know, getting ahead of this and shorting immediately. I, I think a better play would be to buy airline companies right now if you think that this coronavirus is a big nothing burger. So that's, uh, that's some pretty big stuff going on. And, and I'd
1: also say that airlines is not a bad buy anyway because for the first time in years, 2019 was a profitable year for airlines. Oh, really? Yeah, hmm. which uh, you just don't see for a very long time. So uh, airlines were profitable last year. Investors are overreacting right now. Eventually, they are going to look at... P&Ls, right? And they're gonna look at statements, and they're gonna see, oh man, these people are making money, and these stocks will rise. So I personally will be buying airline stocks.
0: Okay. And there's a there's a few indices out there, or um, ETFs indices that you can buy that just cover the airline companies. So, yeah, it could be an opportunity. But who knows? If it's the big one, I don't know. I don't know how to prepare. Just wear a mask. Yeah, SARS mask, right? Yeah, SARS mask. That's how they got through it last time.
1: Yeah. Man, for for a uh, country that's gonna take over the world by twenty thirty five, they know how to take each other out. Huh? Yeah,
0: a lot of viruses going a on A lot the world. of viruses. Very suspicious stuff. Yeah, but you know, we'll uh, we'll see. I don't trust it. I smell <laughs> a conspiracy. Really, I mean, I hope it gets found out because this is too many times now we've had to deal with this.
1: Yeah, it's uh, one too many.
0: Yeah, I'd say. So let's get to the feature story that we want to talk about today, buddy boy. And that is housing slash real estate. And I say it like that because you can look at housing in a number of different ways. Um, (coughs) Traditionally, what I've looked at it as is kind of an indicator for the economy. There's multiple different ways you can look at housing in terms of its contribution to GDP. And one of those leading indicators would be new housing starts. That is kind of a leading way of suggesting that the GDP is either going to go up or go down in the future. Now, timing is obviously one of the most difficult things of this, but you can look at housing and use that as kind of one way of seeing whether or not the future is going to be nice or not. And one article I wanted to bring up was one from Zero Hedge, which is a kind of an aggregator and they're often very bearish, unfortunately, but Um, They brought up four indicators that are actually turning down and suggesting that a recession is coming. So that is useful to know. And those four things are mortgage rates, existing housing sales, um, real housing prices, and residential investment. And then another thing that happened late last year was Home Depot cut their forecast in sales for 2020. So obviously Home Depot is a major contributor to construction and building. And when they're signaling... A lowered guidance it's not usually a great sign for the economy so that's where we're at in terms of this article in terms of housing there's obviously other indicators that you want to look at but one other side of it is from an investment opportunity and even though some of these indicators might be downturning you could look at different types of investments that could be profitable for you and Sammy boy is actually kind of an expert in this area
1: yeah, this is. Uh, I'm big in the game. Real estate is uh, near and dear to my heart. So, there's a couple things I want to touch on when it comes to real estate investing. But the first one is a lot of people think that they are too late in the game, or they don't have yeah. enough uh, capital, or perhaps they are not ready, or they want to wait for the economy to go down. There really is never a bad time to invest in real estate if the numbers make sense.
0: And your time frame is appropriate, right?
1: And your time frame is appropriate, I guess, but that's all relative, right? It is, yeah. So for me, there's pretty much three types of real estate investing. Vacation rentals, long-term income rentals, and house flipping. So I've actually dabbled in uh, – in all three of these, but not so much house flipping, but vacation rentals and long-term income rentals are definitely something that I have a substantial amount of experience in. So vacation rentals are, I guess, the sexier thing to do right now. A lot of people are doing it and you can make big bucks pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, You can get pretty profitable. And so obviously vacation rentals, Airbnbs, your VRBOs, all of that
0: but you want to find like a, the right location right and the the right city
1: location 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 yeah right? that's the that's the real estate <laughs> rule so yeah you definitely but. want to do that there's a lot of downsides to vacation rentals so one the insurance is much higher mm. because you have people going in and out of your house very often and it's different people so there's a lot more wear and tear second of all if you want to be a hands-off investor which is my favorite way to invest yeah. you kind of sit back and collect checks Vacation rental property managements take a substantial amount of profit. Um, I had one in the mountains of Big Bear, California, which I finally just got rid of. And my vacation rental was property management was taking twenty seven percent of rent collected.
0: So a fourth, basically. And that's not including the Airbnb fees.
1: So when you go through a property management company They deal with all of that. Uh, So that includes all of that. But they deal with Airbnb. Yeah, it's big. And another problem with vacation rentals, depending on where it is, obviously, but it could be seasonal. I'd say most places it is seasonal. And in some places, like for example, if you have a place in the mountains for snow, it is weather dependent. So things are completely out of your control. You could have an amazing location that is a ski in ski out place. But if there's no snow, yeah, you're don't. not getting you're not getting anyone to rent that place. So, I actually do not like vacation rentals. I think it's a very risky rental. So, I would be all out on that. There's the long-term income rentals which are much less sexy to most people. But man, these bad boys are <laughs> money makers. These are these are so juicy you have to take them. Wow, really? Uh so I I love fourplexes, triplexes, duplexes. I think that game there's so much money to be made in them and they are not sexy enough for mm-hmm. multimillionaires to go in there and really? buy up. And a lot of people just don't think they can afford them, but you really can. Mm-hmm. There's places for every kind of budget. So all that has to matter is the numbers have to make sense. What I personally do is I like to go in and get turnkey properties. A turnkey property, it is exactly what it sounds like, right? You turn the key and you're good to go. So these are places I like to buy them already rented out. I prefer them remodeled, but not remodeled in the last year normally because the price is probably going to go up. But like remodeled five years ago or something, I have to be profitable after all your expenses are paid. But again, these are all things that you can look and you can find a really good source for finding income properties is a place called LoopNet, L-O-O-P net. That's where I found just about all of mine. Obviously you have to work with a realtor. The way I find realtors, I go out of state personally. I think California is very expensive to buy Mm -hmm. property. So I go out of state. I look for places with a lower property tax and just lower cost, but still have good rent. I prefer big cities because you're going to have people rent more often in big cities. kind of hard to find a renter in the middle of nowhere. So I then go online. I research real estate agents. I look for ones with good reviews. Then I call them and get a feel for them. I tell them what I'm interested in. They let me know if that's a good fit. And then you could kind of tell after speaking with someone a couple times if they're going to be a good fit for you. Now let's talk numbers for a while. So any real estate investment property... That is up to four units, so one to four units, and I would highly advise against single-family homes. I think you'd pick a lot of risk, so I would go duplex to fourplex. So any place like that requires a 25% down payment, and then you are going to pay a higher interest rate. So when you hear those commercials of a 3% interest rate for homes, that is not what you're going to be paying. Normally, an interest rate, it really does vary, but you're going to expect to pay, depending on your credit, of course, but anywhere from 4.5% to 5.25% is probably a safe estimate as of right now. Yeah. Um, obviously, that could change at any moment depending on the Fed. But those are the quick numbers. And so what you want to factor in is rent collected. If you're out of state and like me, again, I like to be a passive investor, you're going to want to have a property management company. I would factor in roughly 10% of rent collected for property management and, you know, check around, see what they do, see what they offer. You're going to have some maintenance on the property. Uh, You could get usually the maintenance costs from the previous owner. That's something that I always look for. So you get property and then you also check for what the bills are. So aside from, you know, property tax, insurance, and mortgage, you also want to see Do you have to pay for electricity or do the tenants pay for that? Water, gas, sewage, all of these things add up and property tax. If after all of that and property management fees, if after all of that, the place is profitable, then by how much? What I personally look for is they say that anything over 7% for gains in the stock market is considered well. If a a wealth management company can get you 7% returns year in, year out, they are good. So I look for anything over 7%. I really think there's a lot of places out there that could yield you a 10% return on investment. And you really don't have to have hundreds of thousands of dollars to start. You could find Mm. duplexes for Mm -hmm. $120,000. And this is something that I highly advise people to do. I think it is a great way to build your net worth. I think it's a great way to have passive income. And I think a lot of times people are just scared to pull the trigger on it.
0: How many hours do you think a week you um, spend dealing with these things? Say per property.
1: I probably deal maybe two to three hours a month,
0: realistically. A month.
1: Once you get them up and running. So right. your first, yeah, your course. first like six months with a property, maybe first three months even. It, there are a lot of a lot of hurdles you have to, you kind of have to cross. But after you set it all up. And then it, it really is, you do not spend a lot of time on it at all, right. And you can make a substantial amount of money and then you have to remember that rents go up, property value goes up, and even in a down economy, people need places to live. Yeah. And... I really recommend this. Everyone I've personally met in my life who is well off has had income properties. Right. Anything over four units turns into a commercial property, which is something that I just don't know a lot about. The loan structure on those is, is different. So I would stay, especially if you're new to this, stay between two to four units. Mm-hmm. The last real estate investment vehicle is house flipping. I personally don't like this. It's really high risk. It is also high reward. Just understand that people with much deeper pockets than you and people who are doing this on a daily basis are already done it. I think that this market is kind of cornered. You could see by how many flipping shows there are on TV. So I would not say that that's the best market. I think people see it as a quick way to make money. These are the same people that got duked in the housing crisis of uh, 2007 or 2008. Mm -hmm. So I would stay away from this. I think you get stuck with a house. If you go this route, you could waste a lot of money and it's dependent on too many factors. So my personal advice, go for long-term income rentals. You are not too late. And if you see a good deal, do not be scared to pull the trigger i cannot right. stress this enough i've seen so many people waited out for so long only to get those places sold and mm-hmm. someone else making money
0: right one of the things that i think a lot of people are concerned about is that eventual 2007 2008 crash where all of these property values get wiped out and i think one of the things to consider that if it is a multifamily uh, rental like this where you've multiple units and people need to downsize in a housing crisis, the amount of renters actually increases in that kind of environment, right? It's actually
1: recession-proof.
0: Well, to an extent, right? Yeah. Because you have this big amount of renters that don't want to buy anymore, and this skews rents to the upside as opposed to skewing housing pricing necessarily. So that kind of offsets itself.
1: Yeah, and I also want to comment on housing prices in general. So a lot of people put too much worry into housing costs as far as oh my house is worth this what if yeah. it goes down that amount your house is worth nothing if you don't need the money right. what I mean by this is if you are if you buy an investment property for $600,000 and we hit recession and that place is worth $500,000 next year if you're making money on this place and you don't have to sell yeah. it it doesn't matter right. the only time it matters is when you want to refinance or get rid of it if this place is is making you money, which it should, which is you should have purchased it with it already being cash flow positive, it doesn't the housing value is not that important. You could kind of ride out the storm. You can make your money and then housing will eventually go up.
0: Right. So do you see this as a minimum of a ten year investment? Say you're say you're seventy five years old you yeah. recommend doing that or you think like at least five to 10 years you want to be able to hold on to this property?
1: Yeah, so it depends on what you want from an investment at well, 75. you don't
0: want to lose money on the house.
1: So I think it's, it's at a minimum of five years. Okay. I think it's a minimum five-year investment, but if you're, you know, we're in our 30s. If you're in your 30s, this really is the time to buy and I think that it's much smarter to buy an investment Income property than it is to even buy your own personal home. If you were going to spend money on that, I say rent, let someone else worry about your water heater breaking, (laughs) and go ahead and get yourself an investment property and make money. And in 10, 15, 20 years, you can thank me then. (laughs) I just ask to get my beak wet just a little bit.
0: Right. Just send a small fee and you'll also get a shout out. Yeah, I'll get you a shout out to the pod. Well, thanks, Sam. That's actually like really useful to get people's perspective on stuff they've actually done before. So, if you guys have further questions about this, definitely send us an email at inthiseconomypod at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at economypod. And, uh, you know, give us a subscribe and tell a friend.
1: Yeah, guys, uh, I know that our listeners have not gone up in the last two weeks because we haven't released anything, but we're back. Or ready to give you the content you crave.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Tune in next week for that Super Bowl episode. Any questions, concerns you know how to reach us?
0: Yeah and with that have a have a great week. Bye guys.